Come on, give Jesus all that praise, everybody. Come on, give Jesus the highest praise, everybody. <laughs> awesome. All right, give somebody a high five. Tell them it looks like you lost a little weight. Come on, tell them, tell them. Yep. That's my favorite thing to hear. It's never true, but I love hearing it. So, how many of y'all have the spiritual gift of eating? Anybody else in the room? Thank you very much. That's, that's me. <laughs> I set a goal to lose 20 pounds this year, and here we are in March, and I only have 30 pounds to go. Come on, somebody. So, really close. So, it's good to see you. Thank you very much. God bless you, sir. And uh, good to be here. Good to be home. I, I love this church. I love your pastors a whole lot. We've known each other since before we planted our church in Birmingham 22 years ago. Uh, we'd already gotten to know each other in the mid-90s, and so been knowing each other for well over 25 years. And, uh, and I work with a lot of leaders. I'm not throwing numbers at you and trying to impress you. I'm just telling you the truth. Uh, we, you know, we, we actually train and resource more than 17,000 churches and pastors right now, and, and we, it's, it's, something, it's the joy of my life. And, and, um, and so I know leadership, I know pastors, and uh, I'm telling you, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say this if it weren't true. In these two people right over here to my right, you have some of the finest humans on the planet. You are blessed, church, that pastors Derek and Stacey. You really are. Come on, give them a good hand. It won't hurt their feelings. I love you. They are, they are the real deal. And I actually got to meet yesterday with uh, their board, and we had some talk about the, the future. And you're in good hands, everybody. It's really an amazing church. Uh, began by his father, and now he's taken over the reins, and God's so good. It's good to be here. And, uh, and I'm excited to speak to you today on, on a topic that I'm very, very passionate about. Before we get to it, I want to thank you. Uh, for, you know, you've also uh, given two things that we do together. So um, we actually, and I'm a part of this, our church is a part of this, we actually invest in new churches because uh, there's about 3,000 churches closing their doors every year in America right now. And, uh, and we're, we're one of only 17 nations in the entire world that the church is not growing like the rest of the world. In 183 nations of the world, you'll never see this on the news, but the church is growing faster than population in 183 nations of the world. It's only 17 nations that it's either stagnant or in decline. America is one of those. We're just stagnant. We're not in decline. We're just, it's kind of stagnant. That's changing, by the way. A revival is in the air, and um, it really is. But years ago, we got together, uh, our, your church and ours and many other churches, to, um, just to help uh, new churches start. And to God be the glory, you've already invested in over 1,100 new churches across America. And by the way, Pastor Derek, there's a brand new one starting right now as we're having this service in San Diego right now, a brand new church. Give God praise for that, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of that. And then another project that we're excited about and you guys have invested in, uh, in into scholarships is, is new leaders, young leaders. So the greatest need, Jesus said the greatest need is the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. We don't, we don't have a harvest problem, we have a worker problem. And so we just need uh, people that are called to full-time ministry and those who really feel called to do this to reach the world. There's a, there's a greater need, there's a greater need than there is uh, the supply to fill that need. And so it's true 2,000 years ago still true today. So you guys have been a part of project with us to build really a first of its kind Christian university uh, in the academy model. When I say that, I mean like the Air Force Academy, West Point, 
Annapolis. Actually, he taught a religion class at the Air Force Academy way back in the day. And, uh, and I kind of got bit by this model. And for the last 11 years, we're, we've been building this university. We just got full accreditation uh, of this university uh, to not only train them in, in academics, but also like the military academies, you know, once they go to school, then they're jumping out of airplanes and getting their bedrooms inspected. There's all these other curriculums, four pillars of learning uh, in the military academies is academics, military training, character formation, and physical development. We borrowed that idea to build this university that has academic instruction, ministry training. Our graduates graduate with 800 hours of experience on the day they graduate. They would have already done children's pastor, worship pastor, leaders, they would have all this experience, character formation and spiritual development. And you guys have been a part of that. And Pastor Derek said, you ought to show them just a little bit. I have a, just a short little one-minute video to show you what's happening at Highlands College. Take a look at the screens real quick. If you're searching for purpose to make a difference that lasts, welcome to Highlands College, where leaders are trained and placed to live lives of eternal impact. At Highlands College, you'll take innovative classes that prepare you to influence a complex world and receive hands-on ministry training to develop the skills needed to fulfill the call of God on your life. You will have unprecedented access to global ministry leaders on HC's state-of-the-art campus, and parents appreciate HC's biblical and traditional values and the pillars of academic instruction, character formation, ministry training, and spiritual development. Life as an HC student is an experience unlike any other, with a supportive community that grows your faith and builds your character to lead. At Highlands College, we will personally connect you to ministry roles within a global network of churches and ministries. You can join the lifelong family of graduates who are reaching communities around the world with the hope of Jesus. We have built a place for you and your future. Join us and experience the more you were created for. Choose a life of eternal impact. There you go, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So, so real quickly, thank you. Just first of all, just thank you for being a part of that. You've invested in scholarships so the kids can go to school. And, and also, if you know anybody who has a full-time call of God in their life, let them know just to check out. Let it be one of their options, highlandscollege.com. Just check it out, all right? Hey, I want to share with you a, a quick little uh, message uh, that, uh, that I'm bringing to you in preparation for the greatest Sunday of all Sundays, and that's yeah, the day that Jesus got up out of that grave, everybody, all right? <laughs> And so I love it. So what's unique about Easter is it's not just the best uh, Sunday of the year, but it's also the greatest opportunity that if you were ever going to have somebody far from God sitting with you in church, that's probably the best Sunday to do it. And I'm going to try to convince you in this short little message that it's something we all should at least be thinking about. Because um, they, the studies say that more than 84% of people that aren't in church will say yes to an invitation on that day. So when they'll say no the other 51 Sundays of the year, they say yes on that day. And so we, we love at our church and all the churches that we're a part of just preparing congregations for that. So we're going to celebrate, but it's just a great time. And, and they're going to program the whole day so that people that are far from God, it's not confusing to them, but it's also a day where we can celebrate. Because listen to me, there's a fresh hunger for God in America right now at a statistical level that we haven't seen in over 50 years. So seriously, they, the studies are saying that people are more hungry for God right now than they have been in 50 years. And so something's happening in America, and I'm so grateful to God for it. Amen, everybody? All right, so I want to show you a verse. I want to show you a, I love telling stories. I'm a Cajun from South Louisiana, which means you may not learn anything, but we're going to have a good time. All right, everybody? Okay. 
So, but I love telling stories, and I'm going to share with you a Bible story, then I'm going to tell you a few personal stories and give you a little biblical teaching here, okay? So Jesus uh, loved lost people a lot. So he's very, he was very good with those that were far from God, and it was actually the religious who couldn't stand hanging around with him much. And so Jesus had these lost people around him all the time, and he was very, he was very good at reaching them and even breaking cultural norms when he did it. So there was a story in the Bible I'm going to show you in John chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, you can look at it with me. But in John chapter 4, uh, the disciples had gone to buy some food. So they were running an errand. And it's one of the few times that Jesus is alone, actually. And so he actually was thirsty. He wandered over to a water well. Let's just imagine this bistro table is that well. I want you to picture it in your mind's eye. And when he walks up, there's a woman already drawing water from the well. And, and he starts to have a conversation with her, which would have broken two traditional norms that you just did not do in their day. Men didn't speak to women because actually they thought they were be better than women and they just didn't do it. Jesus smashes right through that gender barrier. That's why we love him so much. And then he also, Jews didn't speak to Samaritans. There were racial tensions there and he smashes right through that racial barrier. So he, he broke these norms that we're still deal dealing with today in many ways. And so Jesus comes and, and, he, and, he, and he starts asking her questions about her life. Like, are you married? Like she goes, no. And she goes, and she goes he says, that's right. You've actually already been, had five husbands. And she, that gets her attention because how did, does he know this? He says, in fact, you're living with a guy right now that's not your husband. This is in the Bible. <laughs> And she goes, sir, I perceive us now to be a prophet. Like, how did you know that? You just read my mail. And she realized all of a sudden she's in the presence of greatness. Like she's in the presence of the son of God. She realizes that. And so she gets all excited about that. And, and, and the Bible, I'm going to pick up the story right there in verse 27. It says, and while this conversation with Jesus and this woman were happening at this well, the Bible says just then the disciples returned and so you can imagine them coming from this area, and they, they get kind of halfway there. They're, oh, they're shocked. They're surprised, the Bible says, to find him talking to a woman. And then John adds something in the text. I'm just going to read it just like the Bible says it. John now is going to mention things that never happened. So if you're ever writing a story, you don't write things that didn't happen. But John does. And it can only be for one reason, and that is he regrets that, it, that, that they didn't happen. Because he's next in the text, it says, next thing, he says, but none of us asked when we walked up to find him surprised to talking to a woman. None of us asked him, hey, can I get you anything? We're back. Can I get you anything? Because they were the students. He was the rabbi. That would have been a customary. I've been asked that 20 times here at the church this morning. Pastor Chris, can I get you anything? No, I'm not. I'm fine. How about something to drink? No, I'm not. How about coffee? Well, that is something to drink. I'm fine. I'm doing great. You know. Because called, that's called hospitality is all that is. And John says, we forgot to do that. And there's a reason I'm getting ready to point it out to you. So no one asks, can I get you anything? And then no one else asks, look at the Bible. No one said, why, why were you talking to that woman? So if they were surprised to find him talking to the woman and they're the student, then they should have asked about it, but they didn't. And then the next verse says, then leaving the water jar, the woman goes back to her town. Now the town's not another city. It's a village around the corner because she's getting ready to come right back in a matter of minutes, okay? She goes back to her town and she says to her townspeople, come see a man who told me everything I did. He read my mail. Could this be the Christ? She realizes she found God. And so, the, and says, the Bible says, then they, the town, came out of the town and make their way toward him. So I want you to picture that. So now it's Jesus and the disciples here at the well. And there's this whole town coming with this woman in the front going, here he is, come over here. Now, the Bible doesn't say how many, but my mind pictures about 50 people. 
I don't know how many it was, but it's a town, okay? So it's a lot. And so it could have been more than that. And she's leading the charge. They're walking. Here, she, here he is. He's still there. And she's coming. And, and, I'm, and I'm from South Louisiana, so I see humor in almost everything, even in the Bible. So excuse me. For those of you who don't have a sense of humor, I just like, I laugh at it. I laugh at a lot, okay? And so the next line is funny to me. If you'll picture it. So the whole town is coming toward Jesus with a woman going, he's still there. Hurry up. Come on, come on, come on. And the disciples are standing there and you're, they're seeing all this. And the next line says, meanwhile, the disciples said and urged him, Rabbi, let's go get something to eat. And that's just funny to me that the whole town wants to meet Jesus and they want to go to P.F. Chang's. Are y'all seeing that? Okay. All right. It's, it's just funny. And so Jesus does something that he does. Like if you bring up a topic, he'll use your topic as a metaphor to teach you a spiritual truth. So they bring up food, so he uses it, and he says, hey guys, my food is to, my, my food, uh, he said, is, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Now you guys know he's talking about the town, he's not talking about actual food. He said, look, look guys, no, this is my food, to, re, to talk to these precious people over here. And look at the next line, it gets even funnier, and the disciples said to each other, could someone have already brought him food? He was supposed to wait till we got back. Are right, right, y'all see? Okay. Here's my point. If they, if they could, who lived with him could miss it, could we miss it? Like if we could miss seeing the town and only think about going to lunch, you know, could that happen to those of us today? And, and I would suggest, yeah. And so Jesus tries round number two and he says, hey guys, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Like we have work to do, guys. I mean, I'm hungry too, but wouldn't you want to talk to these people first? And then he says this, he, so, he, so, he, so he diagnoses the problem now in the next line. You keep saying four months more and then the harvest. Now, you, you always want to do it tomorrow. And I tell you, and look at, the, look at the text, I tell you, open your eyes. Everybody say, open your eyes. Open your eyes. So that, he said, the problem is, the problem is you don't see what I see. So he wasn't really mad at them. He's just saying, you obviously are missing it. You don't want to talk to them. You only want to go get something to eat because you don't see what I see. And so one of the things I do for our, our congregation, I want to do for you today, I'm not, I don't think you're bad people, but I don't know that all of us, including myself, see the world the way Jesus does. And if you're not careful, what you do see is just what you see. It's just, it's the stuff close to you. It's, it's so I call it spiritual nearsightedness. Okay, so I obviously wear glasses. Okay, I, I, I didn't wear them my whole life. I had perfect eyesight for 45 years. I'm 60 this year. I had perfect eyesight. I could see the freckle on a gnat. I mean, I had good eyes, okay? <laughs> I mean, and so anyway, I'm, but I'm at a football game uh, on a Friday night. My boys are playing football and I have my sister on one side, Tammy's on the other side. And my sister's sitting here and, I'm, I'm, and for the first time in my life, I'm squinting to try to read the names on the back of the jerseys. And my sister starts laughing at me. She goes, you can't see that, can you? I said, no, I can't. I can't read it. And she takes off her glasses, hands me her glasses, and I put them on, and like the whole world came in high definition again. It's like, oh, my God. And so I realized I didn't even know I, didn't even know I had lost my eyesight. And so, so, so I make an appointment at the eye doctor, and I've never been. I've never been to the eye doctor at all. So if you have glasses, you already know this. If you've never been, it's the strangest visit you'll ever have in your life because you think you're going there to see better. And the first thing they do is start putting stuff in your eyes. You can see nothing at all. Like, brother, we are going in the wrong direction right now. 
I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> you know, and they turned the lights off and on all the time. And, and then all of a sudden, he said, he, he put this contraption up. And I didn't know what was going on. He didn't, he's one of those doctors who don't tell you what they're going to do before they do it. I hate that, by the way. Because all of a sudden, he just blew this puff of air in my eyeball. I'm like, bro, what was that? He goes, that was a glaucoma check. I'm like, warn a brother first. Let me, let me know before you blow. I got to know. I got to know. And so it's just all of a sudden, poof, you know, just like, my God. And then he gets real close, real close, right here, right here. Just you, one or two. Do you like one or two? Two or one. One or two. Two or one. Like, slow down. They both look good. You know, I don't... You, and then get a tic-tac. Back up, brother. You, <laughs> you stink. Like, it's like, all this is going on. It's just the strangest thing ever. I hated it. I hated it. And I still hate it, by the way, when I go back. I can't stand it. And, um, and so he leaves the room. He comes back in. He goes, we got you figured out. I'm like, well, good. No, that's what I came here for. And um, he said, you're, you're nearsighted. And this really happened. I'm not making this up. He says, you're nearsighted. I said, no, the opposite. I said, everything near is just fine. I've, I've got my issues. Are, I got far issues. I sh issues are all out there. Because I thought they, it's the only medical profession that names your condition for what you're good at. And then that'd be like having a broken arm. And he says, okay, your legs work. I mean, it's just dumb. <laughs> you don't do it that way. And so, I, so when he said nearsighted, I knew I could see, like I, to this moment, I can see the dust on my iPad. I can't see you. It's a blur of color out there. And I did not know that. And so he goes, no, 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 that's what we call it. I said, well, that's dumb. You need to change that. And so, um, <laughs> and when I'm pulling out of the parking lot, I realize, I mean, like the Holy Spirit's speaking to me. He says, you know, that's your spiritual condition too. Wow. That everything close to me is in focus and everything far from me is not in focus. And you never feel responsible for that which you do not see. Ever. Ever. That's why if you've ever tried to, uh, you're in traffic and you're, you're trying to get somebody to let you out. Like what the person that does not want to let you out do, they never make eye contact with you. It's like. Because you, you know if they see you eye to eye. Like I do that all the time when I'm trying to get out and there they are and they, they won't look at me. And I had this. It looked like a mom and a daughter. I don't, I don't know what the relationship really was. But, and, and the mom would not look at me. She's like, and, and, and inching the car up. And, and, I, and the daughter and I made eye contact. And I said, <laughs> and she starts laughing. And I see her tell her mom. And then her mom looked at her and went, you know, because you don't feel responsible for that which you do not see. And you'll never give to and help what you do not see. But once you see it, it's like, okay, now they're a human. They're a person. And that's what happened in that traffic situation. This, is the, this was the disciples' problems. And a lot of us, again, we can have spiritual nearsightedness. Here's how you can tell if you're spiritually nearsighted. It's your prayer life. If God answered all your prayers, would it change the world or just change you? Because see, we, because we have a tendency, and I'm, I'm, I'm no different from, from you. I'm the same way. Because there's a gravitational pull to selfishness. You leave us all alone, we take care of us. That's me too. And so we end up just praying for our, our needs and the stuff that's within view, what's in focus, and don't worry about that. And that's what happened to the disciples. Jesus wants to minister to the town. They want to go to lunch because they couldn't see past their own needs. Are we following each other? So I call this message, Open Your Eyes. I'm going to give you three quick little points, tell you a few more stories. Then I'll pray for you. I want to pray for Easter because I really believe we got our eyes on what, that which Jesus sees. Let me tell you what he sees. He sees lost people. 
So if you read the Gospels, and I've just done extensive study of the Bible, Jesus, Jesus tells in, in one single chapter of the Bible that he is more concerned about things that are lost than things that are found. So in one chapter, if you want to go study it yourself, just write it down, Luke chapter 15. He tells three stories, lost sheep, lost coin, lost son. And in all three stories, the moral of the story is, I will leave the found things to go find the lost one. In fact, on the sheep story, he says there are 99 found and only one sheep lost. That doesn't make sense to leave 99 unguarded just to go look for that one. And Jesus said, I sure will. I will go look for that lost one. He's concerned about that which is lost. Now, that doesn't make sense until you've ever lost something of value to you. So if, you, if you've ever lost something of value to you, you're distracted by it. Like, where in the world is my phone? I can't find it. I can't find it. I can't find my phone. And they have that find my phone app, but it's on my phone. <laughs> that never makes sense to me. Like, how do I use it if I can't find my phone? <laughs> That's like my glasses. Where are my glasses? I can't find them. Why? Because I need my glasses to find my glasses. Anyway, but, um, but when you've lost like your phone, you don't make an inventory of your found things. You don't say, well, at least there's my couch. You know, you don't, nobody does that. And I actually lost one of my five kids once. And I do know five is a lot. Everywhere I go, I'm like, wow, five kids. You must really like kids. I was like, no, I don't. <laughs> I really like my wife. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Different story. But anyway, okay. But I have stuff to say. I can come back for that message. Uh, so anyway, um, we were on vacation, though, with two families in Colorado once. And, and so there's like 20 people, all families combined. And my youngest of my five children is on the autism spectrum. And we were actually in a Starbucks. He had gone into the bathroom while we were all getting coffee orders. And the next store next to the Starbucks was a marble slab creamery. So after we all got our coffees, we literally, the 20 people came out, went to the next store, and uh, we were going to just eat our way down the street. Come on, everybody, right? So, so but what, we didn't know it. None of us knew it that while we were getting our coffee orders, Joseph, our youngest autistic son, went into the bathroom. But right as we were finishing, so when, we, when he went in, we all left. And when he comes out, he didn't see anybody. He goes the other way. Well, they had just had that week a girl named Heather. Uh, I'll never forget her name because her last name is Church. Heather Church got abducted from that same little village, and they found her skeletal remains in the mountains. She got abducted right, right in that village. And, and all of a sudden, we, we were at the, the ice cream place, and we said, hey, where's Joe? He's, he's gone. And so we, we looked back in the Starbucks. He's gone. He had gone the other way. And we, when I say we freak out, we're freaking out because I was convinced he had been abducted right from underneath us. And so I'm frantic. I'm looking. We're, we went in 20 different directions trying to find my son Joseph, and we couldn't find him. And I'm panicked about it. I find this security guard that I could not motivate. He had his arms crossed, and no matter what I said, he didn't uncross his arms. And I was irritated by his inactivity because something of value to me was missing, and I couldn't get him excited about it. And it made me wonder sometimes what God feels like. If he, is he irritated by our inactivity because something that's of value to him, we can't get our eyes fixed on? Are you following what I'm saying? And so... And so, but this didn't happen. But can you imagine while we're looking for Joseph, one of my kids says, hey, daddy, hey, daddy, hey, daddy, what's for dinner tonight? That's a great question if Joseph's not missing. It's a terrible question if he is. And can you imagine maybe what our prayers sound like to God? Hey, daddy, hey, daddy. Like, really? Like, I'm happy to talk to you about that, but wouldn't you want to talk about the missing kids, you know? So anyway, 25 grueling minutes later, I find Joseph. 
His little, he's got like strawberry blonde hair. His little face was so red from crying. He's crying his eyes out, just looking side to side. He doesn't communicate well. And when he saw me, he just ran and just grabbed me. He said, Daddy, I've been looking everywhere for you. I said, Son, I've been looking everywhere for you too. And it changed me because there was never a moment while I was looking for Joseph that I even cared about mother four kids. I mean, there was never a moment that I thought, four out of five ain't bad. You know, you just don't, you don't say that. 80%, come on, that's pretty. I, like, get, help me find him or get out of my way. And I think for a moment, I got to touch the heart of God. Because I'm telling you, this is what your God feels like. And the best way to love someone is to love the ones that they love. I learned that, by the way. It's, great, it's a great relational skill. If you want to love somebody, find the people they love and love them. I learned the best way to love my pastor buddies is to love their kids. Because the best way to love someone is to love the people they love. And the best way to love your God is to love the people he loves. And God so loves the, the whole, not just us, not just the Christians who showed up on a Sunday. Open your eyes. Open your eyes. How? Three ways. We got to open our eyes to where they are. Meaning... You've got to go through life, if you're going to do it God's way, realizing that God orders our steps. Psalm, Psalm says it this way, that, that the, the, the steps of a good person are ordered of the Lord. In other words, it, God will create what we call in the Christian world, the faith world, divine appointments, meaning he'll orchestrate the intersections if you'll just be aware of them. Can I say that again, church? He'll orchestrate, orchestrate the intersections. Your job is just to be aware of them. Like, you just got to go through life wondering, I wonder if God did that. I wonder if God caused our paths to cross so a conversation can happen and maybe even an invitation to Easter. I don't know. I'm just saying you got to be open to it. So I'm way more sensitive at this than I ever used to be because God keeps creating these intersections for me. Tammy and I were on a Southwest flight, and I hate Southwest flights. I'm not knocking the airlines, but that whole pick-your-own-seat thing drives me nuts because I'm a control freak. Like, give me a signed seat. Anyway, we're on this plane, and it's the three-row, and there's only two of us. That means we're going to get mystery person. And so I'm in the middle. Tammy's on the, on the window, and, and you could hear this lady coming down the jetway. Woo! Like loudest person ever. And she rounded the corner and she high fives real hard the flight attendant. Like just the happiest, happiest person. I think she had a few, but anyway, she she was happy and she was just came on the plane. He's like, hello everybody. And she starts high-fiving every row. You know, first row, first row, second row, second row, third row, as she's going down. And y'all, I'm thinking, Jesus, if you love me, please don't let them sit here. Plop. She sits right there. The plane takes off, the carp comes by, she's already got what I call another drink. And so she has it in her, <laughs> and she has it in her hand. And so the plane takes off, she turns to me and she goes, so what do you do for a living? And when you get asked that as a pastor, you have to decide if you're gonna lie or not. You really do. Like, and I said, well, I'm a pastor. And she goes, well, duh, we're all passengers. I said, no. <laughs> I said, no, like the pastor of a church. And she says, oh, well, I don't like Christians. And I knew the kind she was raised around, so I decided to play along. I said, yeah, girl, me too. That's why I had to start my own church. She goes, what do you mean? I said, I said it's not the God. It's not God you don't like. It's how some people have treated you that you don't like. And um, 
And she goes, tell me, she goes like, tell me more. Like, so I'm explaining Christianity to her. And we got to the point where, you know, I lead a church and we're, and I told her like we were online and all this kind of stuff. Anyway, so she's going on to Nashville. We get off, Tammy and I get off of the plane in Birmingham. And while we're walking off the plane, she goes, hey, Chris, I have to have more. And I said, why don't you watch our services online this Sunday? Because we stream live online. We're actually in 24 locations, and we're in 21 of Alabama's prisons every Sunday. So we're in 40, 45 auditoriums and, and online. And, and, and I'll always greet them at the beginning, and I'll greet them, and I'll give you a shout-out. She goes, you won't. I said, oh, yes, I will. And so when Sunday came around, I greeted our campuses, greeted the men and women in the Alabama Department of Corrections. And I said, but I want to give a special shout-out to my good friend, Tanya. Girl, I told you I'd do it. You know, and so I did, I didn't know if she was, but I didn't know if she was watching or not. So I, I present the gospel again in that Sunday message a little, little deeper. In fact, I changed it based off of our conversation. And I get an email the next day. It's from Tanya. So her name was Tanya. And she goes, man, I've, I've let Christians keep me from God. And I always end every service explaining salvation. It's not when you join this church. It's when you surrender your life to the control of Jesus. That's all it is. You don't even have to be perfect. In fact, you ready for this? You can't be perfect. You don't get perfect to go to God. You go to God to let him work in your life, you know? So you just got to surrender the control to him. And so she writes this email and her salutation was, I'm ready to surrender. And she put her, her, she put her cell phone number and I called her on the phone. And Tanya from Southwest Flight gave her life to Jesus over the phone. Okay. But... But let me remind you, my attitude at first was knees over there, bags over there. Don't sit here, right? <laughs> You've done that too. That's why you're laughing. <laughs> but I needed to get out of my selfish mode into realizing God created that intersection for her soul. Amen? Second thing is you have to open your eyes to who they are. And when I mean who they are, I mean you've got to see people <laughs> not like they're giving it to you. Because right now, I don't know if y'all have noticed this or not, but people are mean. Everybody's mad. And it's easy to hate people right now. Let's be honest. I mean, it's just, it's easy. But Jesus did, the Bible says in the book of Matthew, when Jesus looked at the crowds, he saw them harassed and helpless. (laughs) So they were messed up, but he had compassion on them because they were sheep without a shepherd. You've got to train your eyes not to hate people the way they're actually giving it to you. And if we're honest, man, it's just easy. To me, it's so I had a, I was I was actually going to work the morning. I had the best prayer time. I'm still worshiping in the car. I'm going to shout to the Lord. I'm having the best time. And this person comes up on the back of my car and just, I mean, like honking his horn and blah, blah, blah. And it's like just mad. And obviously, I did something I was unaware of. I cut him. I must have cut him off. I don't know. But he's so mad. And it's like staying on me. I'm like, okay, bro. Okay, okay. I'm like, you know, you can't. <laughs> and then he wouldn't stop. And I went. <laughs> I'm doing it through the rearview mirror. You know, I'm like. <laughs> and he comes flying around the side. And I'm just going to give him the what for. I just had enough, man. He just, and I rolled down my window. He rolled down his. And it was one of our church members just dying laughing. I got you, Pastor Chris. <laughs> so I kicked him out of the church. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> but man, isn't it true? You can go from shout to the Lord to that in a second in the world we live in today. Okay. But the truth is, even all the people we don't like so much, they are that way for a reason. 
if we knew their story. I'm not saying I would agree with it, but I'm saying I could understand it. And it just changes. You gotta, we, have, we, we have to open our eyes. We have to open our eyes to where they are, live our lives knowing God's building design, divine intersections. We've got to open our eyes to who they are and forgive, 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 love, love, love. By the way, that's why forgiveness is in the, every, I call it the everyday prayer, the Lord's prayer. Every day, Lord, forgive me as I forgive those who trespass against me. Every day, Lord, forgive me as I forgive those who trespass against me. I heard this little, little. The, the, there was a pastor named Dr. Paul Yonggi Cho who pastored the largest church in the world, a million people in this church in Seoul, South Korea. And he's famous for teaching the Lord's Prayer. And I'll never forget, he was teaching the Lord's Prayer and he got to that forgiveness part. And he says, every day I forgive so many people because I hate so many people. <laughs> and I thought, I think I've met the same ones, brother. I'm with you, you know? All right. <laughs> so <laughs> that is funny. I don't care what y'all say. <laughs> so to where they are, who they are, here's the last one. We have to open our eyes to what they need. What they need. So there's actually a fight in the church, but not a real one, but kind of an unseen difference in the, in the capital C church right now. Because there's this whole brand of church right now that's, that's, that's hyper grace. It's like grace, 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 grace. You're okay. I'm okay. Everything's okay. You can, it, does, it doesn't matter. You're okay. Grace, grace, grace. And grace is a part of it, actually, though. But then there's this whole truth side. It's like, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're going to hell. Turn or burn. Get left or get right. You know, get right or get left. You know, you're going. And in Alabama, hell's a two-syllable word. You're going to hell. That's where you're going. <laughs> you're going to hell. Like, that's, it's like, it's actually true, but not the right way to do it. So Jesus, the Bible says in John 1, 14, came into the world full of grace and truth. So he had this incredible ability to let grace invite them to be free so the truth could set them free. you got to have, but he connected before he corrected. He gave love. That's what happened in so many cases. I mean, the woman caught in adultery. By law, she was supposed to be stoned to death, and there were people there ready to do it. And then Jesus says, he who has no sin cast the first stone, and they all left. And then Jesus said to her, where are your accusers? This is John chapter 8, if you want to read it. She goes, I don't have any anymore. You ran them all off. And he says, neither do I accuse you. That's grace. And a lot of people like to stop right there. But the next line says, now go leave your life of sin. He helped her get free. Grace and truth. It's what people need right now. Because people, listen to me, are hungry for God. And that's who we are as a church. We, I always say that truth without grace is mean, but grace without truth is meaningless. You put them both together, you have good medicine. You have the right, what God wants for people. It's what people need. Can I hear a good amen, everyone? So this is our opportunity. I'm encouraging you as we approach the greatest Sunday that gives us every year, what would it look like to have somebody far from God sitting next to you in church? I'm going to tell you, you're going to be nervous as a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. You're going to be nervous, okay? I did that just for my buddy. <laughs> there you go, Mike. That was for you. He said, do some of those southern things. Okay, there you go. All right. <laughs> but that's okay. You need to feel that once in a while. And then when your pastor says, every head bowed, every eye closed, you're not going to do it. You're going to have head bowed, one eye open. You're going to see what your friend's going to do. And the day their hand goes up and they give their life to Jesus... It's going to be your favorite Sunday at Connect Church. 
Because at that moment, you had the heart of God. You saw what he saw. You were part of what, what he's all about. He said, PC, why are you teaching this? I'm going to tell you because there's a gravitational pull to selfishness. Me too. So last story. Last time I came to this church, I went on a flight that doesn't exist anymore. Cincinnati used to be the Delta hub. And I, well, I took Birmingham to Cincinnati, Cincinnati to Boston, Logan International. When I get on the Cincinnati flight, the person traveling with me did not get the seat next to me. I don't know how we made that mistake, but they were not. So I got this dreaded empty seat, and I'm really tired. And, I, and I'm actually going to land and get off the stage and come straight to your church and speak. It was on a, I think it was, you were doing a special Friday night thing or something like that. So I'm on the plane, and, I'm, and the plane's still boarding, but, I, but I'm, I'm, I'm um, not tired yet, but I know I want to sleep. And I think if I'll go ahead and get a nap posture... The person next to me won't talk to me, right? They'll, but I have to go ahead and be there because once the conversation starts, it's too late, right? So, so I'm thinking, just go ahead and be in this position. And I already claimed my part of the armrest and everything. I'm like, I'm like, but I'm not tired yet. So my, I'm kind of peaking as the plane's boarding and my prayer life's improving. Jesus, please not them. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and you've done it too. Don't lie. All right. And so, so this very well-dressed guy gets on the plane. He has a starch white shirt, navy blazer, khaki slacks. That square briefcase, the, the old school briefcase. And, and, he, and I'll never forget, he puts in the overhead bin and he plops down in the chair and he literally pushes my arm off the armrest. I know. <laughs> and so I can't talk to him and tell him that ain't cool, but he has to know that ain't cool. So I just went. <clears throat> and that's, that's code for bro. Come on, man. All right. So, all right. <laughs> so the plane takes off. I'm not making any of this up. The plane takes off. I fall asleep. And right in the middle of flight, he elbows me in my ribs real hard. I thought it was an accident at first, but he did it on purpose. And I, and I was like, oh, God, well, what's up? What's up, man? And he, and he goes, what do you do for a living? I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> I could not believe. And I said, I said, well, I'm a pastor. And I was kind of frustrated. I said, well, I'm a pastor. And the man doubles over in his chair and starts crying so loud the whole plane can hear it. I'm, I'm talking about tears. I'm talking about ah! like that kind of crying. I'm like, whoa, bro, what's up, man? And, and, and he starts telling this story as loud, the whole plane can hear it, how he had just buried his best friend in Cincinnati, 55 years old, came home from work, had a massive heart attack while his little girl was in his arms and his little girl fell on top of him. He's telling me this horrible story. And he's screaming loud, I'm never going to see him again. I'm never going to see him again. It's just like, like, bro, it's okay. It's okay, man. I'm trying to quiet him down so the plane can, you know, anyway, like, all right. And his name was Billy. I said, Billy, all right, it's okay, it's okay. And we stopped telling the story because I'm now thinking, you know, what to do. And I was a little frustrated. I thought, well, there goes the nap, you know, <laughs> counseling session. Here we go, you know, so. And, and, and so I'm thinking of, a, I'm, trying, I'm going through the files trying to find a verse to help him. You know, and oh, I got one. And it's in 1 Thessalonians 4 where it says Christians grieve, but it doesn't look like that. It doesn't really say it like that. It says it this way. We grieve, but not like the rest of men who have no hope. That's what the verse actually says. And I said, I said, I said, well, Billy, um, the Bible says, and he goes, no, 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 don't go there. I said, why not? He says, I'm Jewish. I said, well, Jesus was Jewish. He goes, all right, go ahead. I mean, that happened. I am not making that up. That's, so try it. But it, anyway. <laughs> and I said, well, I said, well, the Bible says that the reason why you're crying is, yes, you're never going to see him. And then I quoted the verse, but we grieve, but not like this, for the people who have no hope. And he says, 
Well, Chris, how do you get the hope? I mean, he put that ball on the tee. If you can't hit that, you can't play. You know what I'm saying, everybody? It was just right there. And so I explained the gospel to him from Cincinnati to Boston. We're getting off the plane. This, we're in Logan International Airport now. And we're walking off. And I'm like, okay, Billy, it was nice. I enjoyed talking to you so much. But, and he goes, no, 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 you can't leave me until I get the hope. And I said, well, Billy, you're going to have to confess Jesus as your Lord. He goes, I'm ready. And the brother, he, he knew enough to close his eyes and grab my hands. Now, there were two grown men holding hands in the airport. Like, yeah, <laughs> we hold hands. Yes, we are. You know, so, so I just ignored it. There's literally hundreds of people. Y'all know the terminal. You, you live here, right? And there's like two grown men in, in jackets holding hands, you know. And Billy from Boston prayed to receive Jesus right there in the airport. Watch this. And then, and, and when he, and when he, after he prayed, he goes, oh, he did just like that. Oh, I have hope. And I said, I told you, man. And he grabs his wallet. He goes, man, this is good stuff. What do I owe you? I'm like, bro, there's a verse that says it's free. I can't charge you. You know, it's like, and he wanted to do something to me so bad. He actually owns a chain of toy stores in Boston. He goes, look, I'm very wealthy. Let me, I want to buy your kids toys. They're like, no, brother, that is not how this works. It was my honor. He goes, I have to do something for you. And he says, how many boys do you have? I said, I have four. He goes, can I please send them a hand-signed baseball card of Dennis Eckersley? He says, I know him very well. I'll get you. Can I at least do that for you? And I said, yeah, man, send the cards. And so I gave him my card. And about five days later in the mail, I got these four hand-signed baseball cards that I have never given to my boys. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> and it feels good to get that off my chest in church. Anyway, so <laughs> true story. True story. I never have given to my boys. I filed three of them. Tammy will tell you this is the truth. One of them sits on my desk. It's there right now to remind me that the nap was good for me, not napping was good for Billy. Wait, 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 wait. Going to lunch was good for the disciples. Not going to lunch was good for the town. Having Easter just for you is good for you. But having Easter with somebody sitting next to you is good for Boston. Open your eyes. Everybody, you got it? You got it? All right. That's what I'm talking about. Let's pray. Let's pray together. So, Father, I thank you for this amazing church. And, God, we, we make a decision right now together as a congregation that we're not going to live selfishly. It's easy, but we're not going to do it, God. We're going to live our lives to the benefit of others. So help us open our eyes, God. And I'm praying for this Easter to be the most powerful one ever in the history of this church. In fact, right now, just keep your heads bowed, your eyes closed. And if you're here today, say, Chris, I'm, I'm Billy. I'm, I don't have the hope. I don't, I don't even know what my life would be like if I were to step into eternity right now. And I'm not asking you to join this church. It's a good thing to do. I'm just asking you to join Jesus. And if you need that hope, I'm, I'd be happy right there where you're seated. I won't have you stand. I won't call you to the front. But it'd be the honor of my life just to pray that prayer with you right there where you're seated. In fact, nobody looking around. If that's you, would you make eye contact with me if you want to be included in that prayer and just give me a little wave. Say, would you count me in that prayer? Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody else? Just eye contact, a little wave. Thank you. Let me see your eyes. I love seeing people's eyes. Thank you. Thank you. Good job. Thank you. Anybody else? Just count me in. I'd love. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Good. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else want to be included? Thanks, my man. Appreciate it. 
Anybody else? Yeah, thank you. God bless you. God sees your hand too. I got you. Right. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Just lots of people just making decisions of faith right now. So I'm going to lead you in the same prayer uh, I led Billy in. And anybody can join me. Just whisper it right there. Just say, Jesus, I really need you. Thank you for dying on the cross, paying for my sin. Today I receive what you did for me. And I ask you to forgive me. And today I'm giving you my life, everything. Make it personal. Say, be the Lord of my life. I'm going to live my life your way. And I'll make this confession. I believe you are the Son of God. And I believe you died and you rose again. And today I put my faith in you. Thank you for setting me free. Thank you for giving me a home in heaven. And I will live my life for you. In your name I pray. Amen. You guys want to welcome the 20 of the newest members of the body of Christ. Come on, everybody.